Bless the name of the Lord. Ruth and Gail and Gary and Lauren and Margaret and Dave, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm going to be a, a dry, a thirsty preacher tonight because I had a big steak and it's killing me. <laughs> and I'm going to need extra water, maybe. <clears throat> Could I ask maybe, Bill, would you mind opening a couple of windows up the end so the, the, if it's a bit warm it'll go down and not upon the people, maybe make them too cold, please? Thank you very much. Turn with me, please, to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2 again. This is the series we've been doing, God's Great and Glorious Gospel. <clears throat> wonderful, magnificent plan of redemption, salvation that the Lord had planned before the foundation of the world and it seemed, well how does this gospel be carried? We have shown that through, I think it's seven weeks, this is maybe our eighth week now if, I, if I'm correct and we want to look at just, usually we read verses 9 and 10 but what we want to do, I was uh, asked to speak on a verse that was a little unclear and so a verse or two, so we're going to do our study tonight on that verse. And if it comes usually from a preach onto a teach, then you can forgive me because we will be looking at the scriptures this, this evening and you'll go through. And not that you need forgiven for looking at the scriptures, amen. We don't need to be forgiven for looking at the scriptures. They are the final authority in all manner of Christian conduct and living. And we believe in the, the authenticity, the authority and the infallibility of the word of God. Let's read just from... Verse 6, please. Wherefore, also it is contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Notice, he that believeth on him, him is the stone, okay? He that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head, take note of the word, the head of the corner, and the stone of stumbling, and the rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word. Being disobedient, whereunto they also were appointed. There's strong language, they were appointed. Now notice this, verse 9, this is where we usually take our reading from, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvellous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Let's stop there. We know the Lord will bless this reading of his own inspired and precious word in public, but we just want to bow our heads again in a word of prayer. Father, take your word now and inscribe it on our hearts and bring all truth to the forefront through all our taught religion and all the things, Lord, that we hold deem, deem dear, Lord, that have been of man's mentality and philosophy and mind. And Lord, inscribe your word and your word alone on our hearts and quicken us, Father, to receive the engrafted word, not only which is able to save the soul, but the engrafted word, Lord, which will, Lord, change us to be more like your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Father, we pray in his name that you would, Lord, touch my lips, as it were, with the life, go from off the altar, hide me behind the cross, and may Christ alone be seen and glorified. And we pray, Lord, that you would just move in our midst by the power 
of your Holy Spirit this evening and glorify the Son of God in our hearts and in this meeting and gathering together unto him. We ask it all in Jesus' name. We ask it all for his glory. Amen. Amen. We've been looking, and I'll throw just a few pointers out to try and give you where we've been in the last lot of weeks up till now. And then we'll move on. This evening is completely different to explain these, okay? So what we have done is we have looked at how Peter says in his epistle here, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 1, that Peter's an apostle of Jesus Christ to the strangers scattered. Then he starts mentioning places like Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. Then he mentions elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and the sprinkling of blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. The words there, the strangers scattered, referred to scattered Israel at this time. And when Peter is talking about it, we have looked at the word scattered from the diaspora. And we have looked at how it gives the idea of a handful of grain or wheat cast in a certain direction. So God knew exactly where Israel would be scattered. In fact, when we read James chapter 1 verse 1, is to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. And Peter writes here, and the whole way through this, this epistle of Peter, we see those who are Israelite in origin and then becoming born again of the Spirit who are trusting in Christ and Christ alone. Now, before we go any further, I want to say that if anyone is offended at me because I preach Christ and Christ alone, then the fault lies with them. Amen? I believe that Christ and Christ alone, he is the sole, the only saviour. And there is no other religion. There is no other means. There is no other method for a man or a woman to be saved. That's whether you are Jew or Gentile, bond or free, man and woman, Israelite, Hebrew, whatever you think, Muslim, and you can go on through and through, Protestant, Catholic, and all the rest. It's in Christ where men and women are saved, and Christ alone. The scriptures plainly tell us that it's we are born again of the Spirit, that we're washed in the blood of Jesus. And the book of Hebrews goes on to tell us it's not with the blood by the blood of bulls or goats, but with the precious blood of Christ, the precious blood of the Lamb. In fact, the Apostle Peter tells us in verse 19 of chapter 1, but you're bought with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish, without spot, who verily was foreordained, those before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God. Notice, it's only by Christ, and it's only in Christ can a man and a woman not only come to the Father, not only can a man and a woman believe in God, but it's only in the manifestation of God in the person of his son that you and I can receive redemption, can receive salvation, justification, and made righteous. It's only in Christ and Christ alone. It's not going to be in a future built temple where there will be sacrifices and offerings made. There's only one sacrifice for sin. Listen, forever. Not until that time. Forever. So I believe that I am Christ-centered in my theology and I'm also Christ-centered in all of my life. 
To me, it's Christ and Christ alone. Now, brothers and sisters, I would not, I dare not, and I will not remove myself for any theology or philosophy that arises to tell me that there's redemption outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ and Christ alone. So here we have the the Israelite were scattered. Now we brought you into ancient Israel history when they were separated into two nations or two kingdoms. There were two capital cities, Samaria in the north and if you want, they, they, had, or they had Jerusalem in the south. And to give you a, a, a mental framework and picture, I said, if you imagine Ireland, Northern Ireland and Republic, you have Belfast in the north and Dublin in the south. And if you can imagine that, that's the way Israel were separated. And the Lord said, this thing is of me. This thing, this separation is of me. Why would God allow his people to be separated like that? Why would God separate 10 tribes off and give them to a man called Jeroboam who would, pl- who would build uh, uh, calves in Dan and Bethel and say, these be thy gods, O Israel. And why would he allow two tribes with a scattering of Levi, a third tribe, to be in the southern kingdom and worship at Jerusalem? Why would God allow that to happen? Simply for the, the reason is this, one, to show his glory in the earth. And how would he be glorified in that? Because through this, then the gospel would follow where they are scattered. And as the gospel goes, so they come to Christ. That is, the called out, the ecclesia, those who are the redeemed church will be called out all over the world. And the gospel will be propagated and preached in every nation. And before the Lord Jesus comes himself, Christ himself is bringing many sons to glory. We've already looked at that in the book of Hebrews chapter 2. Now, I want to try and get down to the verses where we were and some of the, the biblical history, if I can, of what was going on. Now, we have looked at kingdom parables. And we have looked at uh, different teachings that, that are good for gospel meetings, but the, the actual kingdom parable behind it. And we also look quite extensively at the first couple of chapters in the book of Hosea. So if you would like to turn with me, please, to the book of Hosea. And we're going to flick through some scriptures here. And I want to read out. And by the way, the person asking me, look, what does this mean? It's not in a, not a derogatory sense. We're looking at, we're looking, uh, I take it they were looking just to, to know, to understand, to take it in. So let's try and help each other and let's try and help ourselves in the scriptures and God's grace and in as well. Notice Hosea chapter 1. And as I've said to you, Hosea is a representative here of Yahweh, Jehovah, Almighty God. And Hosea is told to go and to marry a woman. The woman is called Gomer. Gomer is a representative of the house of Israel. Now, in other words, when I say representative, not that she represents the actual nation and places. She represents, she is a type of the house of Israel. So here we have to remember, this is a relationship and this is what this is about. And as the Lord says, now Hosea, in fact, from Hosea, his name means salvation. And it's God bringing salvation. Yehoshua is where we get uh, the, the derivative name comes then, the Lord Jesus' name. His name comes from it, which means Jehovah Savior. So here we see uh, Hosea is a, is a type of Christ. He is a type of Yahweh. And of course, then we have Israel as, as typified in Gomer. So they have children. 
We've looked at them extensively, but again, let's just have a quick look again. Hosea chapter 1, and let your eye run down, please, to verse 3. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Dibliam, and conceived and bare him a son. And the Lord said unto him, Call his name Jezreel, for yet a little while, and I will avenge the blood of Jezreel upon the house of Jehu, and will cause to cease the kingdom of the house of Israel. And it shall come to pass at that day that I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. Now the valley of Jezreel today is also known as the the valley of Estralon. And that is a valley which is from Mount Sinai over uh, toward uh, the the east coast of my, my geography is right. And it's about 10 miles wide and about 10 miles long. And in that valley, you can read about blood that was shed there. And the house of Israel, remember, is the northern kingdom. Here's the names, the trigger names for the prophets. Hosea is a prophet to the house of Israel. Now, the house of Judah is mentioned, the southern kingdom, remember? But Hosea is a prophet to the northern kingdom, the house of Israel. And so when you're reading Hosea, you're reading God's relationship with the northern kingdom. All of Israel, yes, but especially here, the northern kingdom. Okay, so whenever you're looking at this, I'm doing this as if there's a map here, by the way. That's why I'm doing this. I keep thinking there's a map on the wall. I should get one for you. But anyhow, you're, you're looking at this relationship. And as we're looking at it, the Lord says, I want you to call your firstborn. I want you to take him and call him Jezreel. Jezreel means God sows. God scatters. So in other words, here is prophetical order of what God was going to do with a people who had fallen from his word, cast out his law, who had brought in other faiths, other religions, built their temples, built their idols. Adan and Bethel, there were the bull calves. And if you look at Britain today, you can see exactly the same thing is happening today in the year 2014. And God is not pleased with our nation. God is not pleased with what he sees, the sin and the debauchery that goes on and all those things that are happening throughout the land. And we see the rise of of the government themselves paying and giving big benefit discounts and money payouts, not only to the beast of Europe, but also giving it out to Islam who are building their mosques on the left hand and on the right. And while the Christians are being left to try and fund themselves to build their own churches, listen, Mr. Cameron, we're trying to build this church and bought the land next door. Is there any chance of a handout? (laughs) Since you want to help build the mosque. Here we have Britain today. And when you're looking at this, you can see our nation right the whole way through. And the very repeated actions that's happening here, you can see going on in Britain and Ireland today. Notice this, call his name Jezreel. And see for the blood of Jezreel that's been shed. If you want, go with me please as well to Second Kings. Keep your finger there in Hosea. Go to Second Kings. As I said, this is going to be more like a, a Bible study for us this evening. Second Kings. And I have to do this bit just to try and run us into exactly what we can say on the verses that were asked for, but I will point them out to you. Second Kings chapter 20, chapter 20, 17, please, pardon me, chapter 17. 
And let your eye run down, please, to verse 20. Verse 20. And the Lord rejected all the seed of Israel and afflicted them and delivered them into the hand of the spoilers until he had cast them, notice, out of his sight. For he had rent Israel from the house of David and they made Jeroboam the son of Nebat king and Jeroboam drove Israel from following the Lord and made them sin a great sin. For the children of Israel walked in all the sins of Jeroboam, which he did. They departed not from them until the Lord removed Israel out of his sight. As he had said by all his servants of prophets, so was Israel carried away out of their own land to Assyria unto this day. Notice that the Assyrians came and carried away the northern kingdom, the house of Israel. Verse 24, and the king of Assyria brought men from Babylon and from Kutha and from Eva and from Hamath and from Sepharim and placed them in the cities of Samaria. That's their capital city in the northern kingdom. And placed them in the cities of Samaria instead of the children of Israel. And they possessed Samaria and dwelt in the cities thereof. God took away the ten tribes of Israel Carried them in to where uh, uh, the Assyrians were at Halath and Hebor, we're told. And he took other people captive and he populated the north of Israel with it. And so after a while, God saw that these men were not meant to be in this land. And he sent in lions and he sent in diseases and things that started to really disrupt them. And they realized it was because they did not know the God of Israel. And so what the Lord uh, did was after sending these in, Israel were scattered. We're going to show you, God willing, they went westward. And when they went westward, they were dispersed like that grain of, handful of grain of wheat. Now stay with me a moment. Just let your eye run down. I'm doing this off the cuff here because I've just thought of this and I want to bring it to you while you're here. Let me find a verse. So just let your eye run down, verse 27. Then the king of Assyria commanded, saying, Carry thither one of the priests who you have brought up from thence, and let them go and dwell there, and let him teach him the manner of the God of Israel. So here he says, teach him about the God of Israel. Now this was a Baalite priest who they thought that he was an Israelite after his own God. And they send him down. And, and when he goes down, he starts teaching these people, teaching them about, uh, about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And they start to be converted. They started turning. And when they started turning, you go right forward to uh, John chapter 4. And in John chapter 4, Jesus must needs go through Samaria. And when he comes to Samaria, he finds a woman at a well. And she's one of these descendants who was not a Judahite who was not an Israelite, but yet says Jacob was her father. She was a half-breed. She was mixed in it. And that's why she says, you go to Jerusalem to worship, we worship here. So here you can see how this was just totally polluted the whole of the land. Later on, we'll find that 120 or roughly so years later, the house of Judah, the southern kingdom, from this reading in First Kings, go into the Babylonian captivity with Nebuchadnezzar. Okay, then let's, let's stay uh, in the book of Hosea, please. Will you go back over, please, to the book of Hosea? Verse 1. 
How is all flicking well tonight? The book of Hosea. So the first son is called Jezreel. And there was blood shed there. And whenever uh, you read about Jehu, he, slayed, he shed innocent blood there. Jehu who rode his chariot furiously. In other words, Jehu was a speed demon. He was a real speed king, as they say. And he had a suited somebody like Willie Steele on his bike, you know, and, and his car flying up that road. But Jehu rode his chariot furiously. And we're told that he, he slid and slew innocent blood, as it was called there. And the Lord says, from that, he says, it's enough's enough. The cup was filled. Ahab was there. Jezebel was there. All the wicked kings and queens were in the house of Israel. God carried them away into Assyria. And then they were scattered through the Caucasus mountains. And of course, then across Europe and so on. Notice this. Notice this. Go to verse 6 then. In fact, go to verse 5. So come to pass at that day that I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. In other words, I will break their strength. Verse 6. And she conceived again and bare a daughter. And God said unto him, Call her name Loruhama, for I will have no more mercy upon the house of Israel, but I will utterly take them away. Now notice this is the northern kingdom. Keep it in mind. But I will utterly take them away. But I will have mercy upon the house of Judah. There's the southern kingdom. And Judah is where you get the name, the nickname, derivative name, if I can use it like that, of Jew from. That's where the name Jew comes from. That's where you need to read when they go into captivity of Esther and Mordecai and the Jews in Babylon. That's where you get that name. So the house of Israel at this time were known as Samaria because of their capital city. They were known as Joseph. They were known as Ephraim. They were, they were known um, also as uh, the house of Israel. Uh, and, and there were so many different names for them. But notice this. He says, I will have mercy on the house of Judah. Did you see that? God says, I'm not going to have mercy on the ten tribe northern kingdom. But I will have mercy on the house of Judah in Jerusalem. Now God said that, I didn't. So notice this. Let's see what God says. Let's not see what our philosophy says. Notice what it says. And will save them by the Lord their God. And will not save them by bow, nor by sword, nor by battle, by horses, nor by horsemen. But when she had weaned Loruhama, she conceived and bare a son. And then said God, call his name Loami. For you are not my people, I will not be your God. So here he's saying again to the house of Israel, I'll not have mercy here. You're going to be judged. You're going to be sown and scattered throughout the nations. You're not my people. I won't be your God. But Judah in the south, they were still following the ways of the Lord. They still had the temple that Solomon built. And Rehoboam had come after Solomon and so on the kings right down. You think of, of some of the good kings like Hezekiah and Jehoshaphat were there with, with others. Now I notice this. This is what he says. In verse 10, Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured nor numbered. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, Ye are not my people, there it shall be said unto them, Ye are the sons of the living God. Now we have dealt with this for two nights. I don't think you need to go through this again. But here's what it means. He says, there's going to be a time, now you will not have mercy, I will scatter you. But there will be a time when you're going to be called the sons of the living God. 
What does the scripture say about this? Who are the sons of the living God? Not only in the flesh, but to the spirit. What does the scripture say about all of this? This is God's great and glorious gospel we're going to look at, that we've been looking at. In fact, if you go on then, just skip verse 11, for this is the verse we've been asked to look at. If you skip verse 11, look at chapter 2. Say unto your brethren and me and to your sisters, Rahamah, plead with your mother. Plead, she is not my wife, neither am I her husband. Let her therefore put away her whoredoms out of her sight and her adulteries from between her breasts, lest I strip her naked and set her as in the day that she was born and make her as a wilderness and set her like a dry land and slay her with thirst. And I will not have mercy upon her children, for they be the children of whoredoms. Here God says, see even your descendants, I will not have mercy. But yet there's going to be a time when you're called the sons of the living God. Seems like a, uh, what is God saying here? Verse 6, he'll hedge up thy way with thorns and make a wall that she shall not find her path, or she will be lost. Scattered and lost. And she shall follow after other lovers. That is after other religions, faiths. Become gentilized. Not gentilized to the flesh, but gentilized. They'll not even know themselves. And she shall not overtake them. And she shall seek them. And shall not find them. And then shall she say, I will go and return to my first husband. For then it was better with me than now. For she did not know that I gave her corn and wine and oil and multiplied her silver and gold, which they had prepared for Baal. In other words, God says, I blessed them. They didn't acknowledge it. They didn't look at it and say, well, the Lord has blessed us. And he gave it on to Baal. He says, I've cast them out as an adulterous wife. I'm going to bring them back again. In other words, not necessarily to a specific geographical location, but on to me. She says, I will return to my husband. To the Lord our God, the Lord our God himself. So look look at this. Go back with me, please. Chapter 1 and verse 7. But I will have mercy on the house of Judah. That is at this point of time, because judgment comes around 120 to 150 years later. I will have mercy upon the house of Judah. Do you know what happened when the Assyrians came that we read about? They came right down and they took all the, 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 the house of Israel, went right down to the very outskirts of Jerusalem. And they were about to take Jerusalem and God had mercy as he said here. This is 120 years later I'm speaking of now. God had mercy as he said. Jeremiah the prophet and all came after this, but God had mercy as he said. And what he did was he came and he moved in glorious power. And 185,000 Assyrians died in one day. And God stayed their hand from attacking the city of Jerusalem. They were still seeking God. They were still walking after God. They were no ways perfect like any of us are perfect, no. But they were no ways perfect. But God in his mercy and his grace, listen, God was keeping his own word and performing it. 
And you see, God keeps his word and God performs it in our lives. God keeps his word and God performs it when you're reading his word and he speaks to you. You can stand upon it. You can trust it. You can rely on it. God will keep his word in your hard time and your bad time. God will keep his word when you're looking for a healing touch from him. God will keep his word in your dark times and in your night times. God will keep his word simply because he said it, he will keep it. Here we have God keeping his word and performing it. And he had mercy on the house of Judah. Again, I stress that's where we get the name Jew from. Here we have him saying, I will have mercy. Verse verse 10 then. You are not my people, and it shall be said unto them, you are the sons of the living God. Down at the bottom of the verse. Now in the verse 11, please. So before we go to verse, let, let me just, I've done this before. I just want to add one scripture to what we have done before. But John chapter 1, John chapter 1, please, in verse 12. But as many as received him, to them give he power to become the sons of God. So in other words, there would be a Christian gospel, or the gospel of grace. And those who come in to Christ, and those who are scattered, who receive this word, they become known as the sons of God. To them that believe in his name. Remember in 1 Peter chapter 2, flick over and it says on verse 6, Wherefore it is also contained in the scripture, Behold I lay in Zion the chief cornerstone elect precious, and he that believeth in him shall not be confounded. Notice he that believeth in him. Unto you therefore which believe, unto you therefore which believe, he is precious. Notice that. And it says, but unto them which are diso- which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is, is made the head off the corner. The head off the corner. Now notice this. Go with me to Romans. The book of Romans, please. Flick over Romans. I've got you flicking through these scriptures. Romans chapter uh, 9, I think I have here. Romans chapter 9, yes. Keep your finger in Hosea, we'll be going back. Romans chapter 9. Boy, time's flying already. I haven't even got touching this scripture yet. It's nearly time up. For goodness sake, you're going to have to give me a wee bit extra tonight to try and get something done here. Romans chapter 9, notice this. Let your eye run down. Uh, right down to verse, for time's sake... Uh, verse 23, verse 24, even us whom he hath called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. Where Gentiles are is a poor word. It means the nations, or can mean the scattered Israelite Gentiles. So this is what, this word Gentiles is a whole study in itself. But nevertheless, Gentilized or Gentiles, notice this. Notice what he says. There may be made known, oh sorry I'm in the wrong verse. Verse 25, even as he saith in Osi, that is Hosea, as he saith in Osi, I will call them my people, which were not my people, and her beloved, which was not beloved. Who was his people then? Not beloved, it's not the house of Israel. That's who he's talking about. Hosea said this. The Lord says, this is who they're going to be and what they are. In other words, they'll be Christianized nations. He says, but all nations will be gathered in under the blood covenant of the Lord Jesus Christ, who come to him, the whosoever will. Notice this. 
Verse 26, And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, Ye are not my people, there shall they be called the children of the living God. Isaiah, or Isaiah, also crying concerning Israel. Through the number of the children of Israel, as by the sand of the sea, a remnant shall be saved. See, folks, here we have a Christian gospel going out, and this is how God spread and shared his gospel. Raising men and women up and raising nations up to print Bibles and send them out, especially our nation, to send them out to every corner of the globe, as it were. Bible tract societies and, uh, and taking out missionaries all over the land, all over the nations of the world. And God used this for his glory. You see, sometimes we think bad things are so bad we'll never recover. Do not know that in all things God works together for good. To them that love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. And whatever you're going through and whatever you're facing, whatever challenges ahead of you, whatever how high the mountain is or how wide the valley is, how deep the ocean is, how strong the wind is, how bad the storm is, it doesn't matter what comes your way. He will perform his word in everything in your life. Here we have the Lord performing his word. And the Bible pattern goes right through. You can't understand the New Testament without the Old Testament, brothers and sisters. People are saying, I'm a New Testament Christian. Yes, we're in the New Covenant. But you can't understand the New Testament without the Old Testament. It's a commentary, really, on the Old Testament in many ways. And it's a revelation of it. Now, notice this also, please. Go back to Hosea. Now let's get into this verse for a few moments. Then shall the children of Judah, remember the southern kingdom, and the children of Israel, there's the two kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern, be gathered together and appoint themselves one head, and they shall come up out of the land, for great shall be the day of Jezreel. Do you notice there's that word again? Great shall be the day of Jezreel. Now Jezreel was a person too, but here he's speaking about this place, this uh, this bloodshedding, this, in other words, it gives the idea, and I'll look at it in a moment, of judgment. People think this is a day of blessing. This is a day of judgment. When those who will not have him to rule over him will be gathered also. When those who reject Christ will stand before Christ. He speaks of a, a terrible day. It looks as if it's a beautiful day and it's a pretty day. It looks like it's a, it's a day of heart, hearts and flowers, but it isn't. It's a day of the coming of Christ to set up his kingdom and the judgment upon these people. Notice this. Now notice, be, I want to be careful what, what way we, we split this up because there's a lot in it and I have a lot to do and I don't want to be misunderstood uh, as we go through it. Notice this. Notice what he says. For the children of Judah and the children of Israel shall be gathered together and appoint themselves one head. Let's look at this first. They will appoint, them, appoint themselves one head. Not two lines of kings from Samaria and Jerusalem. Not two forms of government. Not two systems or many systems of worship. The word head here is the word rosh. Rosh. And I want you to understand what this word means. It means a literal head, as in your head on your shoulders. But it also, uh, metaphorically speaking, means many other things. Go with me to Genesis, please, the book of beginnings, the seedbed of your Bible. And go to Genesis, please, chapter 2. Just one little verse, verse 10. And the river went out of Eden 
to the to water the garden, and from thence it was parted and became, and became into four heads. Notice the word. It's the word rosh again. I just want to mark my Bible, so stay with me. It's the word rosh again. And it gives the idea of, you know what it's like, the head of a river. The beginning of the river. And from there, and from thence, flows all the rest of the river. And from thence, the river goes down and everything else is fed. Everything else is watered. Everything else drinks in. That's the idea. So here is the four heads coming out of Eden. Go with me again. Stay with me now. Go with me again to Genesis 3, verse 15. Adam and Eve have sinned and fell in the garden. Sorry, Genesis chapter 3, yeah, verse 15. And notice what the Lord says when he comes down after their sin in the garden. I will put enmity between thee, that is the serpent, and the woman, between thy seed, the serpent's seed, and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, thou shalt bruise his heel. The heel of Yahweh was bruised in Adam's race through our Lord Jesus being nailed to the cross. But the head of the serpent was bruised and crushed when Christ rose again the third day. Here it is from this, from Calvary, from Golgotha, from the blood of Jesus and Jesus only, from his redemptive plan and purpose to die on the cross for you and I. He says from here and here only will flow all blessings. All blessings. That even counts Judaism. That counts every faith and religion every denomination, only in Christ, Christ alone. And we'll make no apologies for saying, for me, it's Jesus, Jesus only. Jesus, Jesus only. It is now nearly against the law to say Christ is exclusively the Savior. Christ is exclusively the way to the Father. Christ is exclusively the Redeemer. Well, there you are. It's time you take your stand and say, Jesus, Jesus only. You see, from this head being crushed by the power of Christ's cross flows redemption and salvation through the blood of Jesus. Nothing else will count. It's the word rush. Now look again with me, please. Genesis chapter 8. Genesis chapter 8 and verse 5, please. And the waters decreased continually until the tenth month. In the tenth month, on the first day of the month, were the tops of the mountains seen. Here is the flood. And as the waters start to go down, the, the, the tops of the mountains, the word tops is the word rosh. It's the same word for head. It means rosh. That is the top. And from there comes the rest of the mountain. Here is the pinnacle. Here is the highest point. That is the same word. The top of the mountain is the rosh of the mountain. It's the exact same word. They shall appoint one rosh. One head. There's none above him. There is none other. Everyone and everything else is below him. That's the idea. Go with me again. Genesis chapter 28. Genesis chapter 28. Just for time's sake. Uh, verse 12. Um, this is Jacob. Well known story. Bible narrative. And he Jacob dreamed. 
Behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and the top of it reached the heaven. Behold, the angels of God ascended and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, the God of Isaac. And the land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it and to thy seed. Notice, and thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad. You're going to leave this place. You're going to skip bigger. You're going to grow. Thou shalt spread abroad. Notice, to the west first. To the east, to the north, to the south, and in thee. And in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Notice what he says here. Notice what is said. That he rests his head and sees a vision of a, a ladder. And the top of it was in heaven. Reaching to the bottom. Angels were ascending and descending on it. The word top of the ladder here is the rush of the ladder. That all the ladder from heaven, that giant vision of a ladder in heaven comes right down to touch the earth. Gives the idea of God coming from heaven to earth. And the one on the earth is the same one who is in heaven. Jesus said that I'm standing speaking to you as the son of man, yet I am here, but I am in heaven. Work that one out. Means he is the rush. He is head over all things. Can I ask you as an interjection here. Would any of us ever say. There would be another head. Christ alone is the head. Now notice this. Ezekiel 38. Ezekiel 38. You realize I'm going to have to do this again next week, don't you? Because of just so much material. This is what you get for asking me questions. <laughs> Can you explain this for me? Ezekiel 38. The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. And prophesy against him. Now we do this in Bible prophecy of other things. But the idea of the chief prince. See the word chief. Do you know what it is? It's the word for head. It's the word also for top. It's the same word here. Rosh. To the head man. To the head prince. He says you prophesy against him. Of course then we have what is typically known as the Russian chapters of Ezekiel. I'll talk about it on another time I have before. I'll do it in another place. So here is the Old Testament telling us about the head. Now the New Testament. Let's look at it. Acts chapter 4, please. Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. And let your eye run down, please, to verse. Just we'll lift out one or two verses, Justin. And notice the language now. Remember for the head, the corner, the stone from Peter right back. Now notice this. Let your eye run down please to verse 11. Speaking of Christ. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become, notice the title, the head of the corner. The head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other. There's no other head. There's no other head of the corner, he's saying. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. 
There's one head. There's one name. There's one salvation. And it's in Christ and Christ alone. People will tell you there's a dual covenant theology. People will tell you they're saved by good works. People will tell you they're saved by their religion, their denomination. People will tell you they're saved by their, by their race. People will tell you they're saved by, they're saved by grace through faith in Christ. couple more scriptures and we'll close. Time has went on us. Who's still with me? You're still attending everybody. I know it's warm because the sweat's run out of me here. And I know it's maybe you're nearly sleeping at this point. I try and keep loud so as to keep everybody awake. <laughs> You're really paying good attention to me. Turn with me to Ephesians, please. This is what the New Testament says now. The New Testament. Ephesians, please. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Ephesians 1, please. We've done a little study on this this morning as well. But let's, this is totally different. Let your eye run down. Verse 21. Speaking of Christ again, is far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. Notice that. Not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. So that's not only in this age. But in the age of the kingdom. Look, folks, people keep talking about the Antichrist. The, I'm not worried about the Antichrist because Antichrist's spirit has been with us from the days of the Bible. I'm more concerned about the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice what it says. Verse 22. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over how many things? All things. To the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Ephesians 4, please, quickly. Ephesians 4 and verse... uh, 15. But speaking the truth in love... You may grow up into him, into Christ, in all things, which is the head, even Christ. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that, by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working, in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body to the edifying of itself in love. Here from the head, Flows all the blessing. Here from the head, like the river that goes down, like the ladder that comes down. By the way, the ladder is a picture of Christ also, because in our Lord's earthly ministry, the angels of God were ascending and descending upon him. He is Jacob's ladder. It's all about him. This is all about Christ. So we're receiving all that flow from him. Okay, Colossians 1 and 8. Once I get these ones done, we're wrapping up and that's it. Colossians 1 and verse 18, sorry. Colossians 1, verse 18. I'll tell you what, let's read 16. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. 
And he is before all things and by him all things consist. Notice this. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning of the firstborn of the dead. And all things he might have the preeminence for a pleased the father that in him should all the fullness dwell. So they will have one head in Christ. There's no other head. I've heard this is a resurrected King David. And I've heard many. So King David's going to be the head. Christ isn't the head. Scripture says there's one head. Colossians 2, 10. And ye are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power. Colossians chapter 2, let your eye run down then please, verse 19. And not holding the head from which all the body of by joints and bands, having nourishment, ministered, knit together, increaseth with the increase of God. Here's the head again. And the last one is in our reading, 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Now I know that's been taxing in some ways because it's hard to take it all in. The next verse that we'll come up at, we'll look at this in God's will next week. The next verse we will come up at will show that he's the king. Not only the head, he's the king. Now I notice this. Verse 7, please. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same has become the head of the corner. Christ is the head of all things. The head of the church. He's the head of glory. He's the head of the kingdom. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And anyone outside of him are not in the kingdom. Jesus said to Nicodemus, a Jewish scholar, except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God, nor can he enter into the kingdom of God. That's what the Bible says. And man will tell you they get into heaven or the kingdom of God by works or deeds or realms or whatever way. And they'll even say there are those after a resurrection that, that, that even the, that, that there'll be a, 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 a temple built and the Jews will be saved without the blood of Jesus. Friends, there's nowhere in scripture tells me that it's without the blood of Jesus. This book tells me it's only by the blood of Jesus. That's what it tells me. Jesus, Jesus only. Christ and none other. Now, if that makes me hard, or if that makes me unpolitically correct, is that a right word? I don't know. If that makes me whatever, then I'm willing to be for Christ's sake. Jesus, Jesus only. God bless you, time has flown. You know, the Jezreel bit, we'll show you that in the Lord's will next week. Do you know what it means? You want to see the resurrection in that? God's gospel in that, imagine. He says there's going to be a resurrection. Daniel talks about the resurrection. Paul talks about the resurrection. Talks about us being caught up to meet the Lord. Changing of the body in a moment. And the twinkling of an eye. Maybe we'll look at that next week. We'll see how the Lord leads us. But God bless us. It's warm.